So we are in a section of Luke's Gospel where we cannot help but recognize the backdrop of the world of Jesus' day and how important were the ideas of honor and shame. Two weeks ago, uh, or I think it was two weeks ago, we had the story of people pushing themselves forward at dinner and taking the higher place and being ashamed when they had, had to go to a lower one. Last week we heard about uh, people getting clear about what matters, but, but being, being sure they don't look foolish, like what king is going to go to battle if you know you're going to lose, that kind of thing. You don't want to be looking foolish. And today we, we start with the scribes and Pharisees grumbling because Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus tells in response to them three stories, two of which we hear today. Jesus reverses the expectations of the self-righteous. Normally it would be the outcast, the sinner, the scapegoat, the lost sheep who would be wandering around in the wilderness. But what happens today is the shepherd leaves the 99 in the wilderness and goes after the one. And when could the, how could the Pharisees and the scribes and the tax collectors and the sinners not have got what Jesus was doing and saying? Could they have missed the point of what he's saying? It was his duty and his honor to seek the lost and restore the community and shame on those who would rather not see it happen. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. So the value of the sheep is one thing, but then it increases a bit with the coin. The coin that is lost perhaps was the equivalent of a day's wage, according to some, but I think it's more likely that it was one of the coins that a woman would wear on her, on her headband as part of her dowry. So to lose one of those coins would be enormously important, and self would be at stake. And she goes high and low all over the house, and she finds the coin, and what does she do? She says to her friends and neighbors, she calls the community back together and essentially restores it. That which is lost has been found. And Jesus moves the rejoicing in heaven to the present. There is joy in the presence of the angels. We don't hear, we're not going to hear the third story next week because it falls elsewhere in our calendar. But I, don't know if you, I wonder if you can guess what it, what it is. It is, of course, the parable of the lost son. Sheep, coin, son, the prodigal who goes off to a foreign country and when he comes home there is a massive party, the eschatological banquet perhaps, but we're left wondering whether the dutiful, honorable son will ever join the party and fully restore the people of God. In all of these stories, Jesus is reversing the expectations and saying it is those who are on the outside that in a sense are fully included by God. We've heard much in recent days about duty and honor and the holding together of a people following the death of Queen Elizabeth. Some Grinches have thought it not too soon to have a go at the legacies of empire and colonialism, and there'll be a time for that. And some have wanted to bring up Princess Diana. But the vast majority of those remembering this remarkable woman, including her firstborn child, King Charles III, have chosen to remember her promise and her commitment to service. You've probably heard it over and over again, the radio address she gave from Cape Town on her 21st birthday, in which she memorably said, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. Now, while no one establishing 
a nation today would necessarily start by putting in a constitutional monarchy. I mean, I get that. I still think that it's, it's quite beneficial when the first family is not also the state leader, when it, the leading politician. Because even when the family is in disarray, as most of the families they serve, it's a symbol uh, that holds a nation together in a way that politicians cannot, and frankly do not. I've told that such ideas as duty and honor have little resonance with upcoming generations unless they become part of the military. But we don't have to be soldiers or first century Jews to know that we have a duty to each other, to respect the dignity of every human being. One of the things that church staffs have to do and Sunday school teachers and youth leaders and so on is every three years we have to renew our certification going through a video online program called Safe Church, Safe Communities. And we learn to recognize potential abuse and how to prevent it and all that sort of thing. But this year, there was a, a unit which, I, which was new for me and it was a unit on inclusion. And there was nothing terribly wrong with it. I mean, lots of good stuff. Notice who's not talking in a meeting. Notice who's talking over other people in a meeting. Notice who's not present. Notice who might be uncomfortable, all those sorts of things. It's all good. But there was something about it that was just irritating me. And I wasn't sure what it was. And, and I thought about it, and I think what it was is that there was something implicit which was not made explicit. And it was the assumption that we are the power people who do the including of them, whoever they are, the marginalized, etc. And I, I think that that's not quite what church is. It seems to me that, that we are all included in God's grace as sinners. And yes, we must notice who's not with us. And yes, the community is more full when everyone is present and it's restored. But like St. Paul, we are uh, sinners who by grace have been brought into this extraordinary wonderful thing and that will be true for all the lost, all people, just as, just as the parables suggest. There is an apocryphal story about a boy being asked in a children's sermon whether he would have gone after the lost sheep and left the 99. And he said, I would go after the lost sheep, but I would take the 99 with me. And that's a and I think he's got it. I think he's got what this is about. The fact we know ourselves included by grace among the blessed of God and the consequence of our views of others are forever changed, especially when we find ourselves being the Pharisees, working through the distaste and the for shame and the grumbling that we, we are not, from which we are not immune. In our customary time of silence, Perhaps give thanks for someone in your life who has included you or embraced you in a way that has made you more fully the person you were created to be in the midst of the people of God. In silence and in response to the gospel, let us pray.